0: I want to talk to you about the strength of connection. And my text is in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you'd like to turn there. Or you can watch it on the screen just a moment. If you're looking for Ecclesiastes, just open your Bible right in the middle of the book of Psalms. Take a right, go past Proverbs, and you'll find Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4, verse 12, the second sentence in that verse Says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Some translation says a threefold cord is not easily broken. Both translations are correct. It's not easily broken and it's not quickly broken. I want to talk to you about the strength of connection. I'd like for you to watch the screens for just a moment. We have a powerful testimony from one of our members concerning the strength of connection. Since
1: I got saved, I have prayed for a handpicked husband for me, and the Lord had brought me Bill. So we met in 95 in San Diego, California, got married in 1997. So we have two boys. I remember when you started... Coming to my small group yes. yes, I did, and you were That's my right. very first cell group leader, and I was so at home with the group, and I felt like I belonged there, and the Lord had just brought me there. Yeah, it was like um, a welcoming group, mm-hmm. and it, it's a kind mm. yeah. uh, Instantly, I got connected with the women, in spite of our, you know, differences. Mm-hmm. But um, the sisters had just hugged me, and you know. Embrace me like I I was one of their own. It's March 1st, 2014. He woke up one Saturday morning and he thought he was having symptoms of a stroke. And then I took him to the emergency room and they gave him a, a CT scan and they found out a tumor in his brain. And we thought it would be a benign tumor. But when they had operated on him and they had biopsied the tumor, it Turned out to be stage four melanoma cancer that had metastasized to his brain. So a few days, few days later, he was he underwent major brain surgery. He went into a time of rehab and ended up back home. Did he? Yes. For a while. He ended up uh, talking, walking. Mm-hmm. He passed all his physical therapies, yeah. and we thought that was a successful surgery. And I remember all the women in my cell group. Um, I don't have to worry about my kids' meals because they have home-cooked meals at night. And then they would um, be at the hospital sitting um, so that I could go home. They could watch my husband. I could go home and probably tuck my kids in bed or do some homework time with them. The tumor came back three weeks later. um, We were at the cancer center, and he was supposed to... To get the uh, gamma knife treatment and mm-hmm. they found that there's a lot more tumor yeah. in the brain. After uh, the third surgery, um, I remember that I went home very briefly and I got a call from the doctor and they said that um, I was begging for 15 more minutes because I was on my way and they said that he was gone. And I remember calling Tanya and Beth, who came all the way from Thompson, they were there instantly, and we were like a family, and I remember we were singing hymns, remember? Okay. And it was a great send-off mm-hmm. to him, and with that, I didn't really feel like I had to go through that alone, and you guys were there, and even after his death, you didn't stop there. My sisters in Christ didn't stop there. Because of the difficulty of his death, I wasn't able to return to the bedroom for six months. So, while you were gone out of town one weekend, we painted and refinished furniture and all new bedding. And lots of prayers went into that room and blood, sweat, and tears. And just, um, but it was such a, it was such a fun time for, um... Some of us girls just to be together and to be able to bless you. There's a scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, and it says, Paul's talking to the Colossian church, and he's saying, For my hope is that their hearts may be comforted and encouraged as they are knit together in love. And that's what this is all about, us coming together and comforting and being there for one another. So for anyone, I would encourage to be, you know, for them to be a part of the group, everybody just came to my rescue because you guys had outpoured your, your love and time, and, you know, I cannot put any price on that.
0: Well, I, I don't know any way to say it better than from the lips of someone who's been through a crisis and really has experienced the benefit and the blessing Of being connected, uh, especially in a small group of believers that uh, are serving the Lord and uh, really get to know each other. Actually, what Connect Groups does, it takes our congregation and brings us down into little groups where we get to know one another, uh, become accountable to one another, pray one for another, rejoice when one rejoices, weep when one weeps, and And really help share the load. We miss Brother Bill, but we know where he is today. He is with the Lord. What a great blessing he was to this congregation. And one of the exciting things about heaven is we're going to have a great big reunion when we all get together, and there won't be any separating after then. Amen? We'll be together. Well, I told you I wanted to talk about the strength of connection and the passage of scripture that I use for a text from Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is from the writings of Solomon, the wise man Solomon. Solomon wrote a lot of the Proverbs. He also wrote a lot of the book of Ecclesiastes. And he takes a little section in chapter 4, a whole paragraph in fact, to talk about connection. Um, So let's look at Solomon's assessment of connection. The first thing he says that Uh, gives us an indication about how powerful uh, connection is and the strength of connection. He mentions our labor. Look what he says in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two better than one when it comes to labor. In other words, you can get a whole lot more work done when you do work together than you can if you just work by yourself. That's a pretty simple concept to understand, isn't it? Most of us, uh, if you're trying to move a refrigerator to your house, uh, you would prefer that you got somebody to help you unless you're mighty strong. We had a man in our church many years ago. In fact, when we came to Crawford Avenue in 1975, he was our custodian. His name was Beasley, Ernest Beasley. He was a hulk of a man. And uh, he was over at the Greek Orthodox Church one day and they wanted to move a refrigerator so they strapped it to his back like he was a pack animal and he carried it about 100 yards and put it on a truck. Now, he could do that. I can't do that. And most of you can't do that. So if you're going to move a refrigerator, you can do it better if you've got somebody to help you. That's, that's what Solomon's simply saying here. Connection is so beneficial to our labor. Uh, We can produce more if we work together. Second thing he mentions is safety. He said, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Wow. Um, Again, the benefit of being connected to somebody If you're out in the woods cutting down trees and you're doing it all by yourself and you get injured out there and you can't get back, you may die before somebody finds you. But if you've got somebody helping you, somebody can run for help quickly. In fact, one of the features that new automobiles have now that I think is just fantastic uh, uh, there's a statistic that tells, and I forget the number, but uh, a lot of Traffic deaths or automobile accident deaths are because someone is driving alone and their car hits something, maybe a telephone pole or something, and they're knocked unconscious. And if they're out in a rural area, they may die before somebody finds them because they're by themselves. Well, some of the new vehicles that are out now have a thing that will automatically call you if the car will register and make a phone call. Uh, if if it's in an accident and they will immediately call back and if you don't answer it also has a GPS on it that locates you and it will automatically send you help well that that that's a feature I like amen I don't know what it costs but um, but I think if I was going to add special features to my car that would be one that would really be worth uh, considering having put on there but what Solomon is saying again if you 're connected to somebody, what that feature does it connects you to the dealership that calls and and then gets you help. Connection is vitally important for our safety it 's a matter of of uh, of help when you need it. If you fall down by yourself and i 'm not just talking about being out in the woods working that 's one example. But let's take the example that we just saw on this video this morning. If Sister Tess had been the kind of person that just chose to to isolate herself from all the rest of the world, it would have been much more difficult for her to go through what she went through in this crisis than to have been willing to open herself up and say, I would like to get to know you. I'd like for you to be my friend. I'd like to be a part of your group. And, and then that fellowship that comes with that connectivity. You know, we were, not, we were not made to live in isolation. We were made to live in community and connection with one another. Third thing Solomon mentions in this little paragraph that uh, exemplifies the strength of, protection, of um, connection is protection. Look at verse 12, the first sentence. He says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. Yeah. Somebody assaults you, if you're not big enough to whip them, if you got somebody with you, that's a big advantage. Um, I, I know that you would never believe this about me, but when I was young, I was really mischievous. And uh, in, in middle school and high school, I was really mischievous. And so um, I didn't get as big as a lot of the other guys did when I was in middle school and high school. I hadn't got there yet, um, in fact. So I would, I would always make friends with somebody bigger than me, a big friend. In fact, my best buddy all, all through those years, he, he told me one day, he said, you get me in more fights. He said... I never get in a fight over myself. It says, it's always your mouth that gets me in a fight. Uh, but but the, the benefit of connection, I was glad to be. I was glad to be connected. To him. His name was Mike Edwards. He was a great big joker, and uh, I, we, we just we just really hit it off. We as close friends. Somebody jumped on me, they'd have to whip Mike, and uh, and and uh, I love to watch Mike fight and. Uh, <laughs> But Solomon's a wise man, and and I just got a little of that wisdom from from Ecclesiastes that two are better than one when it comes to protection, and so keep that in mind. There's, There's strength in connection. Well, now Solomon's not the only one, and I, I'm certainly not going to point out everybody in the Bible that talked about the, the strength of connection. But, but let me point out one more. Moses in the Old Testament, he ascribes um, some um, beautiful things about connection. First of all, he says for children of God, there is a promise that comes from God related to our connection with him and with each other. Let me take you way over into the Old Testament to the book of Leviticus chapter 26. Verses 7 and 8 reads like this. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Now that was a promise to the nation of Israel and the people in Israel. God had blessed them, and God said, as long as you remain obedient to me and as long as you all stay connected to each other, he said, if you get in a war, he said, I'm going to be right there and strengthen you. Now, what I want you to notice is the the additional strength that comes with connection. He said, in this case, he said, "I, I promise you if there's five of you, that's being assaulted by the enemy. I'll bless you to the point that that, uh, you'll be able to chase 100. Five people could chase 100. But 100 of you will chase 10,000. Do you see the exponential growth of strength when there is connection together? Wow. Five could take care of 100, but 100 could take care of 10,000. You see... It's, it's not addition in the family of God, it's multiplication. I love it when you're reading through the book of Acts, you start off reading after the day of Pentecost, the Lord added to the church, such as should be saved. But you only have to go another chapter or two before you see that things begin to multiply. And I love that about the Lord. He multiplies. And, and he multiplies his strength here. And in fact, Moses that we're talking about here gives testimony to the fact that God did just that for Israel. Now, this was a promise. He spoke that prophetically in Leviticus. In Leviticus, he's speaking prophetically. He said, let me, let me give you a prophecy from the Lord. I, I prophesy under, under the Holy Spirit that that you will will be blessed if you stay in connection with each other and with God and you'll be able to take care of your enemies that God will that will bless you and five of you can put a hundred to flight and a hundred of you can put ten thousand to flight but in Deuteronomy he gives a testimony in the form of a song in fact let me give you a little background here because we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 32 for this next scripture but Deuteronomy 32 it's a very long chapter if you want to read it. But it's a song of Moses. Now, I know some of you may not have realized that, that there were more songwriters in the Bible than David. And there, there are several songs in the Bible that Moses wrote. And this is one that Moses wrote. He's writing a song. He is singing praise to God here. And in this song, he begins to mention specifically some things that God has done for them. And when you get to verse, 32, uh, verse 30, look at this. Boy, I love this. How could, remember, he's singing, oh, he's singing, oh Lord, he said, how could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? Uh, Rock is capitalized there. It's not talking about a rock on the ground, it's talking about. Our rock, Christ Jesus, that's who he's talking about. the Captain of the Lord's host, the Captain of the Lord's army, the rock. He's been with. Us. He said, "Because the Lord is with us." In other words, they were connected to the Lord. He said, "The Lord blessed us in such a way." He said, one person one time went out and took care of a thousand. You say, preacher, where in the world can you find stuff like that in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you one place you can find it. Read in the book of Judges and see what Samson did. He killed a thousand Philistines. One man. One man. Now, one of you. Th- this is where we get that phrase that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. But it, 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 he's testifying right here. One, he's praising God. Lord, we praise you that, that, that when we were fighting our enemies, one man put a thousand to flight. And two put 10,000 to flight. Do you see the exponential increase in the strength of the Lord when we're connected to each other? Let me, let, let me illustrate. If, I, if I'm fighting a battle and, and I've got this promise and God blesses me like he blessed Moses, I can take care of it. Now, we're not fighting the same kind of battle. We're not going out here with a sword and start slicing away. But we fight spiritual battles. We fight demonic forces and so forth, and and but if I'm in a battle, I could put a thousand to flight. Well, God's no respecter of person. Pastor Roger would do the same thing. If if if, he, if he's in battle, got the same anointing of the Lord. He he'd put a thousand to flight too. Uh, Cody, welcome home, Cody. By the way, give Cody a welcome home. We're glad to have Cody. Cody could do that too, and God will do that for us. but, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look here. The scripture says that I might be able to put a thousand to flight. Pastor Roger may be able to put a thousand to flight. But if I say come come help me brother Roger. Brother Roger could run up here with me and we could stand shoulder to shoulder and get in one mind and one accord and believe God and pray in faith and come against the enemy and resist the devil that's trying to attack us and we together can put 10,000 to flight. Hallelujah. Anybody praise the Lord. The strength of connection. The strength of connection. And and he's testifying that God has done that. And I believe it. Let me let me give you some further aspects of connection here that uh, I like in scripture. I'm I'm going to I'm going to give you a from Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to give you five verses just to take care of one. And, and the reason is because I, I have heard this scripture used many times, and I've used it, you've used it. Probably all of us have used that little phrase that uh, where two or three have gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. you you're familiar with that passage scripture? Well, sometimes um, people that are really uh, scholars of the Bible will say, you're taking that out of context. So I want to make sure that we don't get it out of context. So I'm, I'm going to read the whole passage so that we'll contextually get it correct, but also make spiritual application. If you've used that and said, uh, uh, where two or three are gathered in my name, there, I in the midst, you're not out of bounds if you're making a spiritual application of that because it's true. But, but let's see the, the context that it's in. And the further aspect of connection that I want you to see here is that it also helps with correction, and it helps with discipline. Now, we we tend to conjure up a negative view when we talk about correction or we talk about discipline. But may I say to you this morning that as Jesus is using it here, Correction and discipline is not a negative. It is a positive. Amen? If you don't discipline your children, in fact, there's scriptures that say you don't really love your child if you're not willing to discipline your child. Discipline is necessary because you're trying to teach them something. And the purpose of discipline is for their good, the reason you teach a child boundaries and you, you don't want them to just run out in front of a car. You want them to know that there's a place where they got to stop and, and you don't get out in that road unless you've taken some precautions. You teach your children these things, not because you don't care for them, but because you do care for them. And so this is, this is about correction and discipline in the body of Christ. Chapter 18 of Matthew beginning at verse 15. Moreover, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you two or one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector, Assuredly, remember all this is tied together. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two, for, see it's connected with all of this. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, uh, the, the, the purest um, and, and, and real scholarly um, right to the letter that, that don't want you to ever step out of bounds at all will, will say, Preacher, you see, that verse is in the context of church discipline. When there's church discipline and you come together, I'm in the midst of them. That's true. It's also true that when we come together, uh, <laughs> I, I, Pastor George here, when, when, we, when we come together, if, if Pastor George and I get together um, to worship the Lord, he comes with the Lord in his heart, and I come with the Lord in my heart. When we're together, guess where the Lord is? Right in the midst of us. So that spiritual application is in bounds. It's correct. It's true. The, the Spirit of the Lord is there. But it's also true in these other areas. And thank God for these. If, if you've got a brother that's offended with you, maybe you may not be able to work that out by yourself. But it may be by bringing a brother along with you or a sister along with you, whatever the case may be. That, that you may be able to get the, the confusion worked out and everything settled down and, and you can go on together and walk together with the Lord. And if, if you can't do that, you may need even a larger gathering of the church. If somebody is way out of bounds and... And refusing to live right, if you want to read about some of that, Paul, for example, in 1 Corinthians, he warned the Corinthian church. He said there's trouble in the church. you got a man in leadership that's living in outright sin, and everybody knows it. You need to do something about that. And he taught them how to do that. You go through this process that Jesus gave. This guy evidently didn't come around. So Paul told him, he said, you're going to have to remove him from leadership for the good of the body. You have to do that. That's necessary. But then in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, "You, you remove that guy and now he has repented and now he's made restitution. He's gotten everything straightened out. And he's living right now. And he's, he, you've seen his life that he's doing right. Restore him. L- let me say this, folks. Church discipline and, and, and correction is always for the purpose of helping and never for the purpose of hurting. I know there's some of you sitting here this morning saying, Well, boy, I know some churches and I know some places and that, uh, that the church has really hurt some folks. And you may be one that's been hurt in church. You may have been hurt in this church. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We certainly hope that you haven't. But we have a lot of people that will come to us from other churches where they've been hurt. They've been offended. They've been wounded. Maybe they've been mistreated. And they'll come here for a time of healing and and we pray about that. We we want to help them with that. But let, let me say this: Don't throw the church away just because somebody made a mistake. Amen. Don't don't throw the church away because you heard somebody got hurt in church. Uh, don't, don't. There's been many more folks helped in church than there have that's been hurt in church. And and we're human. We make mistakes sometimes. But here's the purpose: Always. The purpose of correction and the purpose of discipline is for ultimate salvation and for healing and for restoration and for reconciliation. Always, that's the purpose for that. You say, well, preacher, didn't you just read a while ago where Jesus said... Uh, If they won't hear the church, let them be a heathen and a castaway. That's exactly what, not a castaway, but a heathen and a publican. And a tax collector. And and (laughs) that's exactly what Jesus said. But wait a minute. You may have the wrong idea about a heathen and a tax collector. Remember I told you a while ago what Paul did in the Corinthian church? They They treated that brother exactly like that. Like he was a heathen and a tax collector until he repented and came back. What do we do about heathens? We're supposed to be praying for them. Boy, it's quiet in this church this morning. Church, we're supposed to be praying for the heathen. Amen? Some of you are heathens. And aren't you glad somebody prayed for you? Amen? That's what we're supposed to be doing, And tax collector. Jesus even brought one of them tax collector guys into his 12. He was one of the disciples. Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus said, treat him like a heathen and a tax collector. Somebody prayed about him. Jesus cared about him. Jesus reached out to him. And actually, he became one of the twelve disciples, even the first the first gospel in your Bible has got his name. He wrote it, Matthew, a tax collector that's what we're supposed to do even when when they're so stubborn and so rebellious that we have to discipline and even remove them and even consider them like a heathen and a, and a publican or a tax collector And the goal of the whole thing is that eventually they'll come to their senses and get under conviction and find a place of prayer because we prayed for them and, and we prayed that the Lord would not throw them away and, and they bring them back in and restore them to the fellowship. Of them. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's who we are in the Lord. And so there's strength in that kind of connection, even when there's correction. I don't know about you, but I thank God for correction. I remember I was, I was thinking about it the other day. You know, I started preaching when I was a kid. I was a street preacher. I started preaching on September 13, 1957. I was 11 years old. I went to the courthouse, I mean, to the post office square in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and preached my first sermon. And, uh, and, and, I, and I was kid preacher and I remember (laughs) I'd I'd, like a kid you know you start getting compliments and so forth and I'd had a long ways to go to get mature and one Sunday morning my pastor pulled me aside after church was over he hung back my folks are always the last ones to leave anyway the first ones to get there the last ones to leave so I was still there And my pastor was a great big guy. His name was Paul Nance. And he he put his big old arms on my shoulders, just set them down like that. He looked me right straight in the eye. And he said, I'm gonna tell you something, son. If you don't straighten up, you're gonna be in trouble. God's not pleased with some of the way you're acting. Man, I went home that Sunday morning. I was so angry. No, I was mad. I was just hard down mad. I was mad. I in my mind, I'm saying, "What? Yeah, that preacher. What right does he think he has? He ain't my daddy. He can't tell me what to do." You know, none of y'all have children like that, but, but, but I I went I went through that stage myself, and and I was I was mad at him all afternoon. But I had to preach somewhere that next weekend, so. Later on that afternoon, I decided, you know, I better pray and study a little bit. And I was praying, and during my prayer time, the Holy Spirit spoke something to me that I have never forgotten. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Son, when you get too big to listen to godly correction, you're too big to work in my kingdom. And I cried and prayed and repented And I went back to church that Sunday night, and I found my pastor, and I said, I'm sorry. I was out of line. You were right. And my attitude towards you this afternoon has not been good, but I want you to forgive me. And I have never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. I don't know about you, but I thank God for godly correction. And did you know that's one of the functions we have in the body of Christ, and we do it best in our small groups. When you're when you rejoice, we'll rejoice with you. When you're hurting, we'll hurt with you. But if you go wrong, we're gonna go out and try to jerk you back. Amen. We're gonna try to get you back in line. We're gonna try to pull you back into the fellowship because we do not want to see your life destroyed because you get in rebellion or you get in in get some incorrect teaching or. or or you get all all messed up with your attitude or something, we want to try to help you. That's part of the Bible. That's good for us. Amen? Thank God for God. Let let me move on quickly. The the next thing, I love this one. Fellowship, 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 fellowship. Wow. I'm going to read a whole psalm from the book of Psalms, okay? You ready? Psalms 133. The whole thing's right there, the whole psalm. It's a short one. But it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down to the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. That's almost all. Here's the rest of it. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. Listen, folks. There is strength in fellowship. And it, it, if, if you see somebody that's trying to isolate themselves and pull aside and be a loner, they're missing out. God didn't make us to dwell like that. One of the first things God said about Adam when he looked at him in the Garden of Eden, he says, not good that he should be alone. And he made a helpmeet for him. So God initiated marriage. And then God gave him a family. The family is God's institution. God designed us to live in families. And then he moved beyond that and and he he created communities. And, And we're made to live in community. There's a scripture that says no man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. We were made to live in connection with one another. I remember reading a poem a bunch of years ago I'd forgot, i forgot i i remembered part of it and i was struggling trying to find it this morning and thank god for google google tell you anything won't it? i i just I, I just wondered if i could find this little poem it's a little poem it's a kid's poem that i heard years and years and years ago and i could just remember a few lines of it and i just put in enough and, and google found it for me it, it's called a, a kid's tea party I had a little tea party one a- afternoon at three. Twas very small, three guests in all. I myself and me myself ate all the cookies while I drank all the tea and pa- twas I who ate the pie and passed the cake to me that 's a, that's a small party and and some people try to live like that. I want to tell you. You can have all the cake and the ice cream you want in a party of I, myself, and me. And you're not going to enjoy it half as much as you'll enjoy the ice cream tonight where we got all of us together. Amen? And just come and enjoy some. In the first service, I said cake and ice cream. And then I rem- remembered that they just said ice cream. But we do have free ice cream tonight. But. I remember last time we had one that summer. Our ladies made some cakes, and uh, I, I'm just saying. I just I just remembered that I did, and uh, it was it was really good. <laughs> but but uh, there is fellowship when we're together, when we when we're connected, and the fellowship is beautiful. In fact. The psalmist here uses some some word pictures that are really great first of all he says it's like precious ointment and he refers to the anointing oil that was used when they anointed the priest and anointed kings and and so forth in the old testament days now we anoint with oil we use little vials of olive oil but when they anointed with oil they did it differently they they have what they called a horn of oil. It was a huge container, kind of shaped like a ram's horn. And they would fill that with a special made ointment or oil that God had given them the description of way back in the book of Leviticus. And I mean, we talk, they made this in mass quantities. I mean, there'd be pounds of this and pounds of that and pounds of something else. And, and it was all these spices and when all of that was mixed together, and remember it it was God who designed this, so it was beautiful. when all of this was mixed together, the aroma was so pleasant, it was just so wonderful don't don't you just love to walk into a place where the you, you, the the aroma is just good you, you realtors you you tell people that when they when they're showing their houses and so forth to you know sometimes they'll suggest maybe you bake some bread in the oven or bake some cookies or something before people are coming to look at your house not so you can give them some cookies but so that aroma just makes it feel like home and don't you love to walk in a in a house where maybe they're burning some candles and it happens to be a a a particular flavor that you really like and you just well in what they're talking about here when he talks about he's describing fellowship and he says fellowship is like the aroma when the priest aaron in particular is anointing someone with oil and the way they did it they took that horn of oil and they poured it on their head until it it just saturated and and went down into their garments and all the way down into the skirts of their robe and if we were to anoint somebody in here, um, we, we would if we took Brother Bernard, he's a pretty good sized fellow, and we poured enough oil on him to totally saturate him. I'm talking about gallons of oil, and, and we just we just it ran down and got all over his shirt, down his pants, cleaned down his shoes and socks. If you were to walk in the front door of the church right after we anointed him up here with oil, you you would say, what? Well, What is that? Wow. You'd smell it in the atrium. You'd smell it at the front door. And, and, And it was a pleasant, it was such a pleasant. And the psalmist is saying that's what the fellowship is like in the body of Christ. This is how God receives it. This is, God says, when I look down and I see my children connected to one another, and I see them enjoying that kind of fellowship, it's an aroma that, that, that goes all the way up to heaven. It's just pleasant in, in the nostrils of God. Don't you like it when your kids get along good and fellowship together and connect together and have a good time? It depends on what the age of your kids. They'll come around eventually. I, you know, you you think they won't, especially if they're a teenager. But someday, 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 they, they'll come around to that. And it's beautiful when you see it. Then he uses another metaphor. He said it's like the, it's like the dew on Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, that that mountain range where that mountain was, and at the the. The dew was heavy on the mountain and and, and at times those mountains would be snow capped and, and all of that would melt and run down and swell the creeks and the rivers and come down into the farmland and bring nutrients into the soil and make the fields fertile and productive. And that's what connection does. It makes us more productive. The fellowship is so wonderful. It's sweet. It's pleasant. And it makes us more fruitful and more productive in every area of our life. And then I love this third thing that he says about this. He says it's there. There. The place of fellowship. There. It's the place of blessing. How many of you like a blessing from the Lord? Would you You like that? Is it like that? Now look what the psalmist said. Look at this carefully. He didn't say that if we would connect with one another and fellowship, love one another, treat one another good, that, that maybe we'd be blessed of God. No. He said when we do that, God commands a blessing in that place. God commands his blessing. When God commands it, buddy, it's done. Amen? So, so when you and I, in the body of Christ, when we fellowship and when we connect with one another, when we love one another, when we, when we have that kind of camaraderie that the Lord wants us to have, God says, blessings on you. Not, not the preacher blessing you. God himself blessing you. Boy, I, I want to get every blessing I can get a hold of. I read the book of Revelation several times a year, not because I enjoy reading the book of Revelation. It's one of my least favorite books, but you know why I read it several times a year? Because right at the beginning of the book of Revelation, it says, blessed is he that reads. Anytime there's a blessing, I want it. If I can get a blessing just by reading the thing, I'll read it. Amen. And if I can get a blessing by eating some ice cream tonight, get out of my way. I'm going to be here. (laughs) Get my dish full. Come around and see you. Tell you how good you are. Tell you how good you look. Tell you I'm proud of you. Encouraging the Lord. Bless you in the name of Jesus. You know what the Lord's doing? Bless him. Blessings on him. Blessings on him. Blessings on him. Connection. And you can do it every week in a small group. Stand with me, please. I ask you to stand so I'll hurry up and finish. Because I got one more point in this message. But I'm going to do it quick because I'm not going to leave you standing long. Here's my final point. It's in the form of question. The great question is, will you connect? First of all, will you connect to God? If you're unsaved, you need to connect to God. He's waiting for you. His arms are outstretched. He's inviting you to come. He's done everything except run over the top of your will, and he will not do that. He leaves it up to you to choose. But he even gave his only begotten son who gave his life on the cross of Calvary so that you could be connected with God. But it's up to you. I can't do it for you. I can't make you do it. We can't make you do it. But you can do it. And I'm asking you this morning, will you connect to God? If you're unsaved, will you come this morning and just connect to God? Say, Lord, I want that heavenly connection. I want my name on the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to be a part of the family of God. Secondly, will you connect to his church? We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We all need each other. You, you supply something that somebody else needs. We, we need to connect to the church. It's, it's his body. We need to be connected. You know, when, when they harvest organs from organ donors, they don't just take them down stick them in a fridge and forget about them, they're immediately looking for somebody that has a match for that organ. You know why? Because that organ is of no benefit as long as it's sitting in a refrigerator by itself. But when they can connect it to a body, in many cases they can save a life. Sometimes they can restore sight. Because they're connected to the body. Oh, how we need to connect to the body. And then the third and final thing, we need to connect not only to God, but to each other, to others. One day Jesus was ministering and they had a time of Q&A and a young lawyer stood up and said, Master, what's the great commandment? Jesus said, I tell you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and strength. And the second one is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, connect to God and connect to others. That's what he said. That's, that's the great commandment. We need, we need to connect to others. I want the prayer team to come, any staff members we have in here, any board members, any connect group members, come and, and, and be available if somebody wants to pray this morning. I'd, I'd like, come on, some of you kind of hold back, wait and see. Just come on down this morning because we, we want people to be able to have somebody to pray with them if, if they come. Let, let me give you this illustration. I read this story uh, on a newsreel several years ago. One of our northern cities where they have lots of snow. Family had some company and the mom and dad were meeting in the formal living room. They had a separate living room. They were meeting with these guests and their children were playing in the back in the family room. They had a child, seven or eight years old, and then they had a younger child, and, and they were playing there. They didn't know that the older boy had gone to his room and just left the little kid there by himself. The little kid went out the back door, snowing hard, really snowing hard, and he wandered off. It was snowing so hard that his tracks were covered in a matter of about 15 minutes the parents didn't stay out long about 15 20 minutes they checked again on the child the child was gone they thought maybe he'd gone into his brother's room and checked the brother's room he wasn't there and then they panicked and they they started searching and they couldn't find him and they called for help from the neighbors And the neighbors started searching and couldn't find him. They called for rescue squad. They came and and the police came and the the neighborhood came and and hundreds of people were there in a matter of hours and they were searching through the snow and there was woods behind the house. They were all through the woods and and all over the place and, and they searched for hours and hours and hours and finally the sun's going down and they they blow a horn and kind of call everybody back together to try to come up with a plan of action from there. Somebody came up with the idea that said, why don't we start at the back door because that's we know he went out the back door. Why don't we join hands? As many of us, we've got to spread this line as long as we can spread it. Let's just join hands and let's just start kicking through the snow from this back door going towards those woods and and when we get to the woods, we'll do whatever we have to do. We'll just keep going. They hadn't gone but about 50 feet till they found the frozen body of that child. The thing that impacted me was the statement of the dad. He said, oh, if we had just joined hands sooner if we had just joined hands sooner. Can you allow me to change one word in that? Oh, if we had just connected sooner. I look over this congregation this morning and I wonder if we had just connected sooner, how many family members we might have rescued before now if we'd have just connected sooner. Oh, you're, you're effective by yourself, but, but boy, if you just had somebody with you, somebody to encourage you, somebody to strengthen you. Brother Bernard, you can put 1,000 to flight, so can I. But if we'd connect, we'd put 10,000 to flight. Why, why, don't, why don't we connect? First of all, this morning, if you're not connected to God, please connect before you leave here. And if you're you're not connected, I would would pray that you would just ask the Lord to supernaturally show you who you need to connect with in the body of Christ. You need to be connected. We're in this together. We're not in this alone. Amen? The altar's open. I want you to come and pray, whatever your need is. If you want to get saved, come this morning. If you're away from God, you say, preacher, my prayer life is kind of dwindling. And I, I, I need a refreshing. I need to, I need to, I need to get back on fire for God. I, I, I just want to come and. So if I'm, if you're sick in body, come and let somebody join with you and pray that God will heal you or set you free from whatever you're dealing, with, whatever your struggle is. Maybe you got a problem at work and you've been fighting that battle all by yourself. You've been butting heads with that that boss and you you can't understand why there's all that friction. I had somebody come to me after the first service and say, Preacher, boy, you spoke to me this morning, said, the very thing happened to me on my job. He said, he said that me and one other guy are the only two out of the whole shifts that are in my department that know the Lord, and, and we try to do things right and be honest on our, on our our, our cards and everything, and, and said, we keep getting chewed out because we're not looking as productive as the other guy, and the only difference is they're lying and we're telling the truth, but said, we've just tried to keep a good attitude and he said we got together and started praying about it and he said God supernaturally turned that thing around and said that boss was removed and all of those that were lying and we got a whole new department now and the whole atmosphere has changed because listen get connected this morning bring your problems to the Lord and get somebody to take hands with you and let's go after these things that we need for the glory of God God bless you the altar's open feel free to come and pray if you don't want to come here to the altar maybe you got somebody there around you that you could pray with just Join hands and pray for the next few minutes while Pastor Steve leads us in some music. God bless you as you pray.